there to protect the landscaping. The landscape. Looking at this landscape is a gift to the people of this community. Just to walk by and look at it is a gift, Reverend Pike tells me. I'm still trying to work that one out. In 1831, a lawyer and real estate investor named Samuel B. Ruggles purchased a chunk of land in what is now Midtown Manhattan from the Duane family and began to engage in what's now thought of as some of the earliest urban planning work in the United States. One of his creations was Union Square, given to the city as free and open public park space, which it is to this day. Another was a square a few blocks to the northeast, set among 66 lots and called Gramercy, a bastardization of the old Dutch name for the area. Ruggles envisioned Gramercy Park, he toyed with calling it Gramercy Square, as belonging to and in the care of the people who lived on the surrounding lots, though in 1833, when the fence went up, they were still mostly empty. He rightly predicted the park would increase the value of the lots in perpetuity. The arrival of the Croton Aqueduct in the early 1840s, bringing fresh water to a city where it had previously been in short supply, made wealthy folk eager to construct new townhouses with fancy indoor water closets, and elegant Greek Revival row houses began to rise on the lots. Ruggles' deeding of the park to its neighbors created a board of trustees which quickly organized to add landscape features in excess of the ones Ruggles spent $180,000 on in the park's infancy. Though to be fair, most of that money went to draining the swamp that covered most of the acreage. The landscaping, in many ways, matched the architecture of the townhouses on the square. After planting a row of privet shrubbery around the fences for privacy, landscape designer James Virtue laid out the park in the English Romantic style, which is to say the paths and bushes follow a logical geometry, while the plantings, many of which are still extant today, evoke a wildness that is somehow restrained. The park's history is clear on who it was for, residents, their friends, their tenants. It's less clear on what those residents, friends, and tenants could do in and around the space, and that's an issue hotly debated even now. The charter includes restrictions on the size and material of buildings that surround the park, and prohibits the erection of buildings for business purposes or for any purpose dangerous or offensive to the neighboring inhabitants a clause the trustees have over the last century and a half used to successfully prevent commerce from intruding on the square. It also prohibits games which will engender disputes and ill feeling, which over the years has been a thorn in the side of key holders who want to play croquet, baseball, and Pokemon Go. Each lot, beginning in 1847, was assessed a $10 annual fee, and the children of New York's leading families used the park both as extension of home and as an ornament. Ruggles himself described the park as ornamental rather than recreational, to admire from within. Indeed, in 2016, the landscape of the park is still positively 19th century, unlike Central Park or the smaller city green spaces that have been adapted to modern uses and needs. Gramercy's design is such that it's easy to imagine young families and society matrons alike taking a turn behind the fence, breathing air that really does smell better than it does on the other side. It's hard, in fact, to imagine doing anything else there. 
Gramercy Park was open to outsiders just once during its first five decades, and even then only out of necessity. The Civil War draft riots, a series of violent clashes largely instigated by Irish immigrants angry at being conscripted into the Union Army, quickly spread beyond the immigrant-heavy neighborhoods of Lower Manhattan, bringing the specter of violence to the doorsteps of the city's most fashionable neighborhoods. The park and its people were defended by the 8th Regiment Artillery, and the regiment's reward was an invitation to camp inside the park until the city was quieted. Two years later, the trustees petitioned the government for the payment of expenses incurred by the trustees of the park in consequence of its occupation by a military force during the July riots in 1863. Their request was declined, and the gates were locked to the world once more. A curious thing about Gramercy...